0: No. <laughs>
1: to I swear on my mother's grave. My name is Dana Black and in 2016 I lost my mom and now I'm talking to other people who have also lost their moms and I don't just mean in death because there are so many ways you can lose a mother and we're going to get into it. So let's talk about our moms. As the great Alexandra Billings likes to say, Hi, humans. Welcome back. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying sane, and I hope you are taking deep breaths when you need them. I also hope that you're able to get out into nature if you can. Um, that's really been helping me in the last year. I live in a big city, and I had no idea there were there were so many forest preserves, like 20 minutes from my house, and it's been awesome to just get out into the woods and walk around a field or leap carelessly over a creek. (laughs) It's been really good for my mind, body, and spirit. So that's my hot tip of the day. Nature, go out in it, two thumbs up. At the top of this episode, you got to hear the voice of today's guest's mom, taken from home videos from over 30 years ago. I met this guest through a mutual friend named Tyler when I was doing a show down in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Tyler and this guest grew up down there, and, well, they're besties. I got to see today's guest perform a solo show at the University of Arkansas where she was studying performance, and I'll never forget it. It was a solo piece devised and kind of written around a tape, a tape that she had received from her mother many years after her death, a tape that her mom made in the last days and weeks of her life, To be given and listened to by her two children, her two twin children, a boy and a girl. In this episode, my guest is going to question why she's crying over a woman she didn't even know. We're going to talk about what it's like to find your mom's birth journal years after her death and go, wait, what? She was 140 pounds and she was pregnant with twins? We're going to talk about singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow with your mom and that being one of the final memories you'll ever have of her. We're going to talk about the selfless act of coming in and helping raise two children that aren't even yours. But we're really going to talk about that tape, that magical, mystical tape that I still can't even believe is real, but it is. It's real. And her mom recorded it in the last days of her life for her two children were four it served as a beacon of love and hope from beyond the grave when they heard it many years later this is Hallie Mayo
2: um I cry about everything I can cry happy tears sad tears angry tears um, my therapist several years ago was like, okay, so you don't experience anger. You ex- hmm. you suppress anger, and it comes out as sadness, but you're angry. And I was like, oh, that's just how I express myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I didn't know that it was probably a trauma response. And I was told all the time, I can't speak to you if you're crying.
1: You were told as a child?
2: Yeah. Like, because that's just how, I mean, I would get in trouble or I'd have to talk to a teacher, you know, and it would be fine, but I'd cry to the teacher because I just, mm. it was overwhelming to speak to an authority person and it would just be about something blah, like, when is this paper due? And I'd be crying about it. And yeah, I was told by boyfriends, my parents, teachers, I I can't speak to you if you're crying. Mm. So I spent a lot of time trying to control it. And now it's just like, this is just me. Like,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I've been to therapy. I just cry. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Did you see your mom cry? That you can remember? I don't.
2: I I don't know. I have to imagine I did. Mm -hmm. You know, she talks in the recording at some point about the first time she ever saw sadness in me. Mm. And it was after she'd lost her hair. And I had like made up this song for her that was like, your hair is going to grow back. You're still beautiful. And I guess I sang this to her and then just started sobbing. And she said it was the first time she recognized true sadness, not just like a child crying about a toy or something. But, yeah, I don't remember her crying. Mm. I don't – honestly, I don't have many memories of her that aren't sparked by pictures or home videos.
1: Remind me how old you were again.
2: I was four. Yeah.
1: That is young.
2: Yeah. And she was young, too. She was 41.
1: Oh, that's my age. I don't know why I was, like, whispering that. That took my (laughs) breath away. I guess it took my breath away. Like, I thought if I said the actual – if I admitted that was how old I was, it would be intense.
2: I'm approaching the age she was when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I'm starting to get, like, very paranoid. Mm -hmm. But when I was 27, I got genetic testing for the BRCA genes, and I was negative, Mm. which means a little, because we don't know if she had the BRCA genes. But it kind of alleviated some of that fear,
1: but let's go back to this recording. So you referenced, you just referenced that. And I did get to see you do a beautiful solo performance at your grad school in Arkansas yeah. where I was doing a show. So tell me a little bit about that and what inspired not only that performance, but about that recording itself. Tell us about that.
2: I think I was about 16-ish and my stepmom, Vicki, said, you know, there's a recording of your mom speaking to you and your brother. And these people who were family friends, but, you know, once my mom passed away, they kind of didn't remain in our lives. They have that because they were going to transcribe it and put it into something more permanent. It was on a cassette tape or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I'd like that. (laughs) And so years went by and... I was living in New York, and I was 23, and I was depressed and lost, and I thought, I really want that tape. So I reached out to some people who knew these, you know, other family friends who still were friends with these people, and I emailed this guy, and I said, Hey, you know, I'm 23, and I'd love to listen to these tapes, and could you please send them to my parents' house so that, you know, we can get them. And his response to me was, Considering our mutual connection to your mother, I'd love to give them to you in person. And I, I was like, oh, okay, our mutual connection Who to my mother. Are
1: you? <laughs>
2: um, cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> so some months went by. I, I don't think I responded in the moment because I was just like, what? We don't have a mutual connection. So anyway... Months go by. Eventually, I get them. I move back home. My dad had cancer, so I came home to help. And um, I got them. And that day, I listened to the, the tape. It was on a CD. Hmm. I listened to the whole thing. I want to say it's an hour long. I don't know.
1: Where were you sitting?
2: I was in my apartment in Fayetteville, on a uh, Garland street by the university. Okay. And I was on my bed. The CD was in my computer and I just sat there and I, I mean, I cried the whole time as I do. And I had plans that day to go out and get a drink with a friend. And I texted him and he had lost his dad. And I said, Hey, listen, like I just listened to this and I'm going to stay in. And he was like, no, come out. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. So I went out and I went about my day and I actually felt so uplifted. I felt so much more held by her Mm -hmm. and I didn't ever feel the need to listen to it again, but I have it. So fast forward to graduate school and I'm in this one person show class and we had the goal of the class was to write a one person show, but the first couple of weeks were to write, to just work on writing little tiny pieces of anything. And so we got specific assignments. And the second week was a three minute piece that was autobiographical. And I was like, oh God, I don't, what am I gonna say? Like, I like to sing and dance, like. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, oh, you know what? I'm gonna play my mom. I'm gonna be her as she decides to do this tape. So I did it and it was just a three minute piece and it ended up being in that show, you know, like the date, she says the date and she can't remember the date and just why she's doing this tape. And
1: remind me why she was doing it.
2: Yeah. So my dad said this was, she started about a month before she passed away Mm. and my dad had said, I think if you have anything that you'd like to say, you should say it. And you should record it. And on the tape, I remember her being like, well, you know, this is really weird. I'm just talking to this tape player, and I don't know what I want to say. And then eventually she gets to, but I guess this is really for Hallie and Electro. Mm. And uh, that I want you to know that I was here, you know? And it's really beautiful. And it goes on for a few weeks. And the last recording, I think, was a week before she passed away. And, you know, I just think how strong she had to be to do that. And thinking about it now, I don't know that I've put this together, but she cries a lot in the tape. Mm. And now I'm thinking, oh... Maybe she also cried about everything. You know, I don't have any memories of her crying, but here she is on this tape. And at one point she said, and I think this was in my show, she gets back on. She had stopped the recording, and she gets back on, and she's composed, and she's like, I'm going to try not to cry anymore. And then she cries.
1: (laughs) Did she share life lessons, or was it more just, I want to just tell you? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Come on! She didn't give me any advice. That's why I thought um, I was like. I, think from the show,
1: I feel like I remember from the show that you made a joke about something yeah. about the future or money or or just like give me something can you, I like, can use. Here. Give
2: me yeah. anything other than just like you love me. It's like come on. <laughs> like tell me where the treasure's buried or right yeah. the winning
1: lottery numbers. It's like come on, mom. Yeah. Why is it that it is so magical? It feels like a film, right? It feels like that doesn't happen in real life.
2: Yeah, but that can't. Yeah, pop.
1: and that a movie would be someone giving you life lessons and telling you all yeah. right. The fact yeah. that she just and here said, are the "I answers. Right. I just love you." I'm present. I'm going to speak to you as me in these last moments and tell you I love you. That that is not a film. That's really beautiful. And yet, yeah. there's a mythology around. That's why I thought I remembered that story being not a real tape, because I'm a mythologist. I was like, there's no way she got a recording. It's so magical, right? It I is. I just forgot that part about it. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: it would be cool if I had just come up with that all on my own. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Really grad school. Really. Yeah. Wow. wow.
2: She is talented. <laughs> Get her to Hollywood.
1: (laughs) Give her a film.
2: (laughs) Alas, no.
1: No. (laughs) You didn't hear it until much later. So when you were five, six, seven, eight, nine.
2: Nope. Why? Well, I guess because those people had it.
1: And who Um, were they? We got to get to that, uh, right?
2: Yeah. So they had been friends of my parents. And then... Shortly after my mom passed away, they moved. They got jobs, I think, in New York, Mm. Ithaca, New York. And so it was far away. But I had people in my life that were friends of my mother's who are still in my life, who maintained relationships, who called and wrote cards. Because how, at four years old, Mm. can you do that? I, you know, I mean, at 35, I still have a Mm -hmm. hard time, you know maybe to give them the benefit of the doubt they didn't know that they had the only mm-hmm. copy i don't i don't really know what their logic behind that was i remember now that i'm talking about this i remember vicky my stepmom reaching out to them at some point and they said that they didn't think i that my brother and i were mature enough to listen to them mm. um but i was so I think a lot. Like, what if I had heard these when I was 12? What direction would my life maybe have taken? Um, She talked about tennis. Maybe I would have taken tennis and been Mm -hmm. a tennis star, you know, like... (laughs) Did she
1: play tennis?
2: (laughs) Yeah, she did. She did say, which gave me a lot of, like, peace and solace, she said at one point, I'll never see your legs dance on stage. I'll never hear your voice in a choir. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like what mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and she had no idea you were you're four years old.
2: Yeah. She had no idea she, how you were going to go know? sing. And, and, yeah. And so it was cool to know that that's maybe what she wanted for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I did that like little three minute piece. And I still didn't know what I was going to write for my full piece. And I just kept coming back to what do I really want to explore And I thought, well, I'd love to explore my mom and be my mom. And at first, I was just going to be my mom the whole time Mm -hmm. recording this. And I thought, oh, that's maybe a little too heavy. How do I get some breaks in that watching a woman die, Mm -hmm,
3: tell her story mm -hmm.
2: type thing? And, And it was really difficult. And it was hard to get the feedback in class. And I cried the whole time. And my professor was like, Why? What do you, what does this woman want? Hmm. And I said, This woman wants to know why, after 30 years, she's still crying. She's still crying about this. And that gave me a lot of clarity.
1: And is that the anger? Yeah. Like, why the fuck am I still crying? Yeah.
2: I'm really hard on myself. And. When I get like this, I say to myself, like you didn't even know this person. Like why don't you just get over it? Mm. My godmom said to me once who lost her mother. Uh, her mother died in childbirth and I can't imagine the guilt that she must feel. But even though it has nothing, once, you know,
1: it's like it has nothing no, of course, no, right? But your brain. With yeah, you're nothing to do with you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I often think that oh because my mom wanted kids, and she was 36, and it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why she got breast cancer, you know? I mm-hmm.
3: it's like, no. no. Right, right.
2: Um, but she said to me once, when you are young, you look to your mom to know who you are, and you see yourself in her eyes. And when that connection is broken, you are searching, searching, searching for who you are. And you didn't
1: get to be fully formed in their eyes. You only got right the hope. They have hope that you'll become something. And then exactly. your stepmom had to take on that responsibility, right? And yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And she did it, I mean, with a lot of grace.
1: <laughs> when did they get remarried? Or when did your dad get remarried?
2: They didn't get married until nine years after my mom passed. But this is interesting. My mom and my stepmom, Vicky were cousins. Mm. So my mom really wanted my brother and me to still have her family in our lives. And I think she really was worried because she knew my dad would need mm. to get remarried or have a woman in his life to help. And so she had this idea that she was going to introduce my dad and Vicky and encourage them to to get together and
3: Mm.
2: growing up when I would tell people that they were like oh that's disgusting Mm. and I was like actually it's really beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and my dad isn't related to my stepmom I you know right but (laughs) I think in Arkansas people would be like your mom's your cousin and I'm like get over it get over it and there is really something beautiful about grieving families coming together and so we very shortly after my mom passed away got in an rv drove across the country to la where vicky was and they went on a date and a couple months later she moved to arkansas Hmm. she raised us and i just can't believe that you know i just i feel so lucky
1: yeah How did she talk to you about your mom? How did she or did or Um, how did she want to be called? What did she want to be called? Mom. We still
2: call her Vicky. Vicky. Okay. Yes. My brother started calling her mom like two years ago. And I was like, is that a manipulative? Like what are you doing? (laughs) And I remember one year for her birthday. I want to say I was six. I got in the car. She picked me up from school and I said, hi, mom. And we both were like, no. Even at six, (laughs) you're like, ah, sorry. I was like, no, you're Vicky. (laughs) And even my, I have nieces and nephews, and they call her G Vicky. Mm. So she's just Vicky. Yeah. But she, I don't remember her talking about my mom that much. I did find recently a picture of the two of them from Christmas in, like, Mm. the 50s. And it's, like, the cutest thing
1: isn't it weird seeing photos of your mom from a life that you never knew her in, and you yeah. and you you in particular have yeah. have probably many years right because it was so you were so young, but that feeling of I'm seeing her in a whole other life in she college. Was yeah, she was alive like, without me. Yeah, she was alive without me. Isn't that me. crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that just takes my breath away, and it's so discombobulating when it happens. Yeah. Or letters. And I found to- a bunch of letters that my mom had written my grandmother from college while she was meeting my dad and talking about this dress that she wanted to borrow, and it was this beautiful green dress. And recently I moved my 93-year-old grandma out of her beautiful retirement apartment to a nursing home, and I found that green dress. I was like, this must be the green dress my mom was referring to in this letter. Yeah.
2: Did you keep it? Uh, you yeah. have
1: it. I mean, I'm. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a size ten, and it's, I think a size two. But anyway, we'll get it down. We'll yeah. get it down. Um, no, I'll probably <laughs> give it away. But right now, I'm holding on to it. Or
2: you could have it made into something. That's else. right. It could be
1: a blanket because it's kind of or a pillow. It's that lacy knit.
2: Yes. Anyway,
1: it's totally the dress. My grandma was like, "Are you sure?" I was like, "That's the dress." It has like, you to know, be. Grandma, don't don't ruin this for me. I'm gonna use it on the, <laughs> the podcast. You know, don't blow this memory. <laughs> I
2: found her pregnancy journal. I questions that I'd always had, like, what was that like for her?
3: Mm, what'd and she say? What was it like? What? I
2: mean, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, most of it was like a food journal. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, again, mom, give me something to work with. Me I mean, what she was like thirty-two weeks pregnant with twins and she'd like write what she ate and her weight. And I was so offended. She was like 146 pounds <laughs> at 32 weeks pregnant with twins. And I was like, that is so rude. And she, and it was like a snack, glass of milk. And I was like, the what? 80s sucked. The 80s sucked.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the 70s and the way women were. Yeah. There's like, a lot of. Oh,
2: my yeah. gosh. No. Give me a <laughs> snack, a.k.a. a cheeseburger. And then I'll eat two more. You know, most of the time I see these things and I don't go back to them. I'm just like, that was enough for now. Mm-hmm. But... Because
1: um, it's too much. It's too much it to, is. It's, to take in. You know, you, it, it can be a salve. And I wonder when you do want to go back and hear your mom's voice and yes. when that helps. Because it can help. But it's, yeah. it's overwhelming. Yeah. And it's...
2: Oh, my to, gosh. And to
1: have it sitting around you all the time. I understand yeah. why you would want it out of your space. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But she did write like when each of us walked for the first time and mm. who liked to crawl more and what we liked, which was cool because people are my friends, you know, will we'll talk about whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then my mom says this was her birthing story. And I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know what that is. I don't. Why would I ask that at four? And if I did, how would I remember it? <laughs> So it was cool to read. You know, she didn't write a ton about it, but it was neat to read, you know, through. And I imagine what
1: it sounds like. But did she really want children?
2: Yeah. In fact, she didn't want children. Mm. And then she met my dad. She was 21 when they met. My dad was 40. They fell in love. They were together 17 years before they got pregnant. My dad had had a vasectomy. And one morning, I guess my mom woke up and said, I have to have kids. Hmm. And he had it reversed. And then I think they had a hard time. This is stuff I've inferred from things I read. Mm -hmm. I think they had a hard time getting pregnant. And then she did. And they were blessed with two bratty kids. And I think if I ever do decide to have kids, I will adopt. Um, I think there's something so beautiful about being raised by someone who's not your mom Mm. it's hard I mean oh god it's hard I still like tell Vicky every day like if I'm like (laughs) she just had cataract surgery Mm -hmm. and so I'm having to like do all this stuff and and uh I'll be like a little short with her and she'll be like well Hallie I'm sorry it's just you know blah 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 and I'm like well where was that when I was growing up and she (laughs) And she'll be like, I'm sorry that I was hard on you. And I'm like, too little, too late. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we have a great relationship. What do you think it is but, so
1: beautiful about the sacrifice? You said there's something so beautiful about being raised by someone yeah. who's not your biological parent.
2: Well, in our case, Vicky did not have to. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. she and my dad just, like, met and fell in love. I think... They did. They did end up falling in love, and she was with him for 25 years.
1: But there was a duty there think, to your mom or th- a promise. Yeah.
2: I think more than anything, I asked her once, and probably 10 years ago now, why did you stay? And she said, Hallie, I just saw how badly you guys needed a mom. Probably because my dad was so old. She's
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so he needs help.
2: Yeah, yeah that and also I think she just saw in us like two kids that were really broken, so yeah, I feel like there's something really selfless about deciding to be a mom when you don't have to be
3: mm-hmm.
2: and wanting to help a child get that love that they're missing,
3: mhm.
2: But, no, I don't want to be pregnant because I already weigh 146 pounds. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't need to add to that.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to snack on milk, okay? Right, just
1: milk and a glass of water. <laughs> Did you ever say, you're not my mom, right? So there's I the, 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 never the, said the, that. The, the, the cliche of, you're not my yeah. mom. You don't, you're not my biological mom. You don't know me. No.
2: I never said that. My brother did. I don't know what it is about me, but I think—I mean, I was a brat to Vicki, don't get me wrong, mm. but I've always honored the, what she's done,
3: you know? And
2: I've always thought of her as my mom while still honoring my biological mom. I've always— really respected her sacrifice, really respected the fact that this was a choice for her, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think probably there were many times she wished that she hadn't made the choice, but
1: why do you think that
2: perhaps my dad was difficult to be with my dad and Vicky had very different ideas of what parenting was. Hmm. My dad believed if he loved them enough, that's all, there's no discipline, there's no, Mm -hmm. I mean. Electro, my twin, also had a lot of behavioral issues and dyslexia, and so it wasn't just raising kids, it was also dealing with that and Mm -hmm. really fighting with the school system here to get him the education he deserved and needed. And I think because of that, Maybe another reason why I really just towed the line and like didn't ever right. try to make Vicki feel
1: rock the boat or make it yeah. any harder.
2: Yeah.
1: How did people talk to you about your mom? I wanted to go back to that question. What were oh, the yeah. What were the stories that people told you? How did they speak? Sometimes when you lose a mother and and you're young, she becomes a monolith, or or all of us, even at even at any age, in a way you can. Yeah treat her like she was perfect or there were no problems here, you know, and, (laughs) (laughs) or you start reminiscing about this person when they were complicated, but because you didn't know her very much, what did people tell you? What have you learned over the years?
2: Most of the things I have heard about my mother are from people I don't really know that I meet at family gatherings. Hmm. I met somebody at my grandfather's memorial service probably 10 years ago now, and People always know exactly who I am. And they'll come out to me and, and they say, the thing I've heard the most, and it's hard to hear because I get jealous, hmm. but I hear that she was, she lit up every room. I also, I asked my godmom once because my godmom and my dad smoked a lot of pot. And I asked her if my mom smoked pot. And she said very rarely. She did everything in moderation. Mm. And I was like, no wonder she was so skinny. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people don't talk to me about her a lot because mm. I cry. and <laughs> It's uncomfortable for people. Um, but I remember when I was in my 20s. I was visiting my grandparents, and my grandmother brought to me, like, a stack of paper, and it were it was letters that Your she had written mom? to— Your mom's mom? Yes, yes, sorry. And it was letters that my mom had written to her parents. Hmm. And one was about how she couldn't get on this flight, and so she threw a fit, and then she got on the flight. <laughs> I was like— <laughs> And I just thought, I remember thinking, you know, go, kind of going back to her crying on the tapes, like, maybe she has the same mental issues that I have had, you know, this, like, inability to control emotions. And,
1: hmm. and you said people told you not to cry or said, I can't take you seriously unless you stop crying. And you mean teachers, your dad or your stepmom, not, not your own mother. You don't remember no. your own mother saying that to you. Other people in your no. life can't understand you until you stop crying or yeah. suppress those emotions so that you can yeah. speak clearly, but not your Compose mo- yourself. Compose yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any memories of your mom that you can remember? I know you were young, but any vivid memories specifically?
2: Yeah, I do have one. It's um, pretty morbid. I remember my dad waking me up and um us sitting by her after she had passed mm. i have a very vivid memory of that and i remember knowing what it meant but also not knowing it was a weird thing of like knowing and not knowing not understanding knowing that she had died not understanding what that meant mm-hmm. I also... This is so bad. I only have bad memories of my mom. Um, I remember the first time I got spanked. (laughs) How old were you? I must have been like three. But she had... Her favorite flowers were peonies. And they're mine too. I love them. And she had a big arrangement of them. And I wanted to pick one of the flowers out of this vase and so I reached up and I pulled the whole vase down, and it broke. And I just ran outside and hid. Mm. And she found me, and she spanked me.
1: <laughs> uh, Do you remember how that felt?
2: <laughs> uh, I remember not liking it, and like knowing I was in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. like knowing I had done the wrong thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so those are my two <laughs> memories that I know are mine
1: mm.
2: of my mom. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, was there anything you two did together?
2: We sang. We sang together. Yeah.
1: What did you like to sing? Do you remember?
2: Um, Somewhere oh. Over the Rainbow. And we also would just sing to each other in conversation. Hmm. So it would be like, Mommy, what are you doing? And she'd respond in song. And mm.
1: You were made for musical theater. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah.
2: My life is a musical. She's like spanking you.
1: You're like, Mommy, <laughs> what are you doing?
2: <laughs> Mommy, ow, oh, that hurts. <laughs> One, two, three spanks for you. Like <laughs> dun dun. Dun 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 Um <laughs> Sorry about the vase. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a pretty flower. I probably wanted to put it in my hair. But yeah, I've heard that from other people too, that they witnessed us singing to each other. Mm. And she loved to sing too. I have a home video of her singing summertime from Poor Ye and Bess.
3: Mm.
2: And my dad would join in too. It was really pretty cute. And they're eating bananas. So they're they sing and then they take a bite of banana and sing with their mouthful of banana. And it's really charming and, and sweet. <laughs> Most of the videos, she is taking the video, but I just love hearing her voice. You know, in that show I did, she was from Houston and had a pretty Houstonian, okay. southern Belle type voice, and I loved the way she said my name. Hallie.
3: Hallie. Uh-oh, I hear her
2: coming, yeah. do y'all. <laughs> I thought I was just so pretty. Hallie and Electro.
1: Electro. It's so beautiful, yeah. How, I wonder how yeah. he feels about it.
2: I think he loves it. Does I think he? he feels really cool. I remember in junior high, um, he was the water boy for the football team. Uh-huh. But the coaches would always be like, "Electro Mayo, you need to be a football player." But he was so like cool. sixty pounds, so so no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that feels yeah. like the perfect time to ask you the question that I ask all my yeah. guests. We're talking about names and lineage. Yes. Can you, Hallie, tell me your mother's name? Yeah. And what's coming up for you today on this call with me and how you're feeling in this moment?
2: Her name was Marilyn Denise Schiller until she got married. And she went by Marilyn Schiller Mayo. And... I just, I what's coming up is I just feel really warm and like fuzzy and I just feel, um, you know, as painful as it is to lose a loved one. It's so, such a privilege to have someone you came from, someone who you know loved you. And I feel her with me, you know, I feel both my parents with me. I don't know my life without grief. Like, I don't have any memories of that. But I do think that grief makes us able to be compassionate and empathetic. And, you know, it's so cliche, but to have grief means that you had love. And I feel really lucky I know that their love is all around me. I know that she is with me. Every time I see a rainbow, I know that's her. And I feel really lucky. I feel privileged. I feel so grateful to you for asking me to do this. I love talking about my mom, Hmm. as painful as it is. I think it's just wonderful. I think she was wonderful, and I'm glad she was my mom.
1: Thank you for talking with me.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Somewhere over the rainbow. It plays. (laughs) We get the rights. The song (laughs) plays. Yes,
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah, so we did not get the rights. Sorry. You know what we did get, though? That tape. That tape that we spend most of this episode talking about. That magical tape that her mom made in the last days and weeks of her life for her two children. That larger-than-life mystical tape that I haven't been able to stop thinking about ever since I saw that solo show or ever since we did this interview. I've been, well, I've been kind of obsessed with this tape. And I've been trying to figure out why. I think it's because, well, I don't have any tapes of my mom. I don't even have my mom on VHS. I have one voice file of my mom, one, and I recorded it privately in her bedroom while she was crying one day and talking high on hydrocodone about her life and her grievances and memories. It's a three-minute voice file, and trust me, you don't want to hear it. So this tape, this idea of a gorgeous tape of a mother talking directly to her children, well, it yeah, it became a monolith, this this thing I was chasing. And I was like, it better satiate everything that I want. Everything that I'm yearning for was put on this tape. Where is this tape? Who has this tape? Is this tape on CD? Is this tape on a disc? Is this tape been digitized? Who has it? I learned this tape, which is actually a CD. They took the original cassette and put it on CD. And gosh, thank goodness they did that. I learned this tape was in Colorado with her brother Electro. And after a bunch of emails and tracking numbers and waiting patiently and even pushing back this episode so that we could get it, the tape arrived. And yeah, I finally got to hear it. And I'm so grateful I did. My editor recently said that we're, we're never fully satiated. We always want and we're always chasing something related to our parents. We're chasing this thing outside the frame. You look at a picture and you're always wondering, what else am I missing? Or a video. The clip is never long enough. The photo is never bright enough. Because she's not here. This file isn't for me. And it isn't for you. It's for Hallie. And it's for Electro. But in listening to this, all I could think about were all the kids who might need to hear this. And... (laughs) There is something so beautiful in that. I also, for the first time in this entire podcast journey, felt intense sympathy and love and sadness for the mom. The mom who's missing out on our lives. The mom whose journey got cut short. I always thought that I was the one. I was the victim. But man... My mom's missing out. This is Marilyn from 30 years ago.
0: It's January 7th, 1991. It was 19 years ago. Ned and I had our first date. January 7th, 1972. Just a few minutes ago... They had left with the children, and he encouraged me to spend his time talking into the tape machine. Also informed me that my physical situation, uh, my phys- the, the, the reality is, is that I could die at any minute. Um, that I could have a block in the spinal fluid, the flow of it, and... Uh, that i die, so that if I had anything to put on this tape, I'd better start. It's not easy just to talk when you don't know who your audience is. Or if anyone would ever listen. But I'm really making this tape for Hallie and Electro. because I know that at some point in their life they may need to hear my voice. They may, may, may need to know that there were, really was a mommy for them at one point. And uh, if they ever need to hear that, I want them to have some place where they can go and hear her. And this is me. This is your mommy. And leaving you... is intolerable. And why... why I have to leave... only... Only the spirits, the saints, God, the angels, the other life, uh, surely they know. And I want you to know that I'm your guardian angel. And every times when when I'm not there, but I'll be there inside you, part of you. You won't be able to touch me or hear me, but you may be able to feel me. Sometimes I need my mommy. And she's in Texas, and I can't hear her, and I can't see her, but I feel her. I feel her because she loves me, and she doesn't have to be right next to me to love me. She can be far, far away. And that's where I'll be. I'll be far away. But you can still feel me. Greatest, my greatest sadness is that in leaving you, I will leave you partially unnurtured. And I know without nurturing a child will search in search, in search beyond fatigue for loving and nurturing that they didn't get from their mother. Well, when you were 18 months old, and had my first experience with cancer. It illuminated my mind, it illuminated me so much that I knew, I knew then that there was a great potential of me not being able to be around for you forever. When I realized that, it was if just darkness came over me. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. And then I realized that I had some time, and in that time I would nurture you, that I would be honest with you, that I would be strict, because I knew that in being strict, that if any other woman was ever to be your mommy, that And she would love you because you were well-behaved. And I wanted you to feel a lot of love. Because in feeling loved, you can give love. And the reason we love is so we can give it. And if you haven't got it, you can't give it. But you've got it. Because almost every day for the past three and a half years or so, I have focused on the fact that the moment is now. Not tomorrow, but now. And if we're not loving right now, then we need to start. So I hope that with all the loving you had, that you won't hunger for nurturing in a sick way, but hunger for it in a natural way, and in nurturing we become nurtured. But I still, I still know there are times when you'll be needing mother to nurture you, and I won't be there. But you have to look again try and feel inside that I'm there. When I look, when I looked at you as babies. I always looked at you. always looked at you like, this may be the last time I could ever look at you. And many times at night I always think, I wanted to read you your stories because later on I wasn't going to be able to share the stories that I knew. I wasn't going to be able to share with you so much of what I've experienced. So those or should I say the enlightenment the enlightenment that I've experienced from my cancer is, has really enhanced our love the, the love that that a mother and a, a child has because i knew that i wouldn't have a, a full life but i know that the times i'd look at you and i'd say to myself i'll never see those shoulders be broad i'll never see those legs run on the tennis court. Uh, and Hallie, I'd say to myself, I'll never see those legs dance. And you'll never hear that voice in a choir. So when I looked at you, and when I look at you today, I look at you with privileged eyes. My eyes are privileged because I see everything. I see so closely, and it feels good. It feels very good. I'd like to say that this may be incoherent because, because of my tears, I have to shut the tape off. And then I don't know where I I said last or what my train of thought was. And I'm going to try not to cry anymore. And I don't even know what it is I'm trying to say.
1: When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options.
2: Dana, hey, sorry I missed your call. I um, am so glad you called me because I was going to ask Tyler for your number later today because I wanted to share some other things with you about the tapes Um, but just couldn't, I tried to send it in the email and it just didn't seem cool to, or fair to anyone to send it in an email. Um, thank you for your message. Um, yeah, it was really, I listened to the first 11 minutes twice through because I knew if I just tried to listen to it, I, yeah, I just needed that. But, um, it was crazy how much of it I remembered and had been in my show. Like some things were word for word. Um, but anyway, the things, the thing, things I wanted to tell you, when my mother died, um, in her will, she said that when my grandparents die, my twin and I would split whatever she would have inherited. So when my maternal grandmother passed in October, I then became heir um, with my brother and my aunts and uncle and it, that money has allowed me to buy a house and I closed on that house today and I'm sending this to you, there might be an echo, from an empty house which is now my house that I was able to get because of my mom, and so I was, like, waiting, waiting, waiting all day yesterday for the CD and had tracked it, and it said it would be delivered yesterday, and it said by 9 p.m., and at 9 p.m., I checked the tracking again, and it said that it had just left Memphis, and I was like, okay, well, that's fucking bullshit, and then As I was leaving this morning at 9:30 to go drive to my closing, the male woman came and dropped off the CD. And so my mother sat next to me um, on the way to closing, to getting this house that in essence she gifted to me. And um, I mentioned in an email how much grief had come up since my grandmother passed, and a lot of it was because of what I inherited. I just felt incredibly undeserving. Um, and I had a lot of like anger about it when like my partner Grant or Vicky would say, "Oh, that's so great." that you have that money, I would just say like, yeah, it's great. My mom died. <laughs> and because <laughs> like, um, clearly I would give anything for her to be here. But recently I kind of reframed it and I feel so lucky. And it's like she is in this house with me and she was with me this morning driving to the closing. And then I listened to that tape and she said i you know i hope you feel me like i'll be there and i feel her so i'm just really grateful that you asked me to be a part of your podcast um it has brought up so much lovely stuff for me and opened up my heart to explore my grief and things that I haven't thought about in a long time and watch videos I hadn't seen in a long time. And I didn't think I would ever listen to her CD again. And I'm so glad that I did this morning. Anyway, thank you. I love you too. And, um, have a great day.